Hello, and welcome to the reading room. This is Kate, or Mrs. Lemonade, on Twitter, and today I will be reading chapters 1 and 2 of The Ritual by me. Disclaimer, this fic is rated explicit. Please see the AO3 link in the description for additional tags. Uraraka Chaco loved to watch humans. They were so fascinating, the choices they made the brevity of their lifespans. It was also baffling and yet beautiful. Not all of it was beautiful, of course. Despite their already short lifespans, they seemed determined to cut them even shorter. She never understood the need for bloodshed to resolve their problems, petty or otherwise. In those times, she turned her face from the earth and gazed on the heavens instead. What always enticed her to turn back to them was her interest in their ongoing quest for love. They sought it in every shape or form, sacrificed their precious lives for it, brought new life from it. She was incredibly moved by it, curious what force could be so compelling. As a celestial being, she had obviously never experienced it. In fact, her only company were her sisters. They respected each other, cared for each other. But when you are immortal... There is no sense of burning desire. As guardians of the constellations, their primary concerns were guiding falling stars to Earth, organizing their formations into auspicious alignment, and stoking their flames to give humanity light in the darkness. The four sisters had been tasked with this for eons, as well as keeping a watchful eye on the mortals below. Yayurozumomu, gracious and prudent, with her long onyx locks, spilling like tendrils into inky night sky, watching over the water signs of the zodiac. Jiro Kyoka, intuitive and resonant, with her cropped luminescent violet locks, watched over the air signs of the zodiac. Asui Suyu, perceptive and serene, with her long emerald locks swirling around her like a faintly glowing cloak, watched over the earth signs of the zodiac. And she herself, Expressive and spirited, with her short umber locks that perpetually floated to frame her face, watched over the fire signs of the zodiac. However, it was times like these that their post taxed them the most. They have performed the ritual invoking the goddess, said Momo gravely. They do not even call us by the right name, scoffed Kyoka. As the centuries pass, how they refer to us may change, but our oath remains the same, reasoned Sue. Who will go this time, then? asked Achako, her fingers steepled under her chin in errant thought. They all swiveled to look at her where she floated at eye level, never one to be tethered by the effects of anyone else's gravitational pull. He was born under the Leo, so it seems fitting that you do, Achako, answered Sue, placing her finger on her chin in thought. Kyoka quirked a brow and sent a smirk over to her chestnut-haired sister. Yes, it's your turn to babysit. It has been a few millennia since you descended, Momo offered. Achako huffed in annoyance. She would miss out on years of entertainment while she was down on Earth. She had been following quite a few good dramas from her heavenly perch. You know I have a greater affinity for Aries children, she practically whined, throwing her hands up in the air. Sue, can't you go this time? Was he born on the edge of our reins at the tail end of August? Achako wheedled. Almost Virgos were the bane of her existence. On the contrary, he was born as the first of the month dawned. So his moon sign is Libra, 
Hachako exclaimed, hopefully, hands clapping together as she turned to Jiro. I went last time. I am not descending again for at least another thousand years, she replied flatly, twirling a piece of violet hair around her finger. Hachako rounded on Momo, her last hope flickering in her wide, murky eyes. His ascendant is cancer? Momo sighed, bringing her forefinger and thumb to the bridge of her regal nose. Achako, I think that you more than any of us need a change of pace, a breath of fresh air, and your reluctance itself is quite telling. You've stared too long from afar, and it's bad for your eyes. Besides, it is our duty, she answered with a tone of finality. Our shared duty, added Jiro, arms now folded across her chest. Just think of all the food. You always love to eat any sweets you can lay your hands on, chimed in Sue, tilting her head and placing a conciliatory hand on Ochako's shoulder. Sue had a point there. The mortals had invented quite a few pastries in the last few centuries Ochako was itching to try. And the journey itself was always thrilling, even if it ended in her spending the next fifty or so odd years catering to the whims of a crotchety, incest-addled, warmongering monarch. Small mercies, she supposed. I concede, she pouted. See you next century, she bid steepling her fingers once again. This time, however, a pink aura overtook her, pulsing with power as she manifested into her true form. The ethereal light grew stronger until she finally burst forward, streaking off like a comet toward the verdant earth below. Bakako, stop fidgeting, scolded Mina, leaning back onto her heels now that she had finished going over the incantation circle. The gauzy seafoam-colored fabric of her gown swished as she walked over to a bowl of rose water. She lifted the heavy basin to her hip and moved toward him. Not fucking fidgeting, he bit back, baring his canines at her. She completely ignored this now familiar gesture, dipping her fingertips in the rose water and anointing him with a motion that stretched across his chest to each shoulder, down the bridge of his nose, and ended with her thumb twisting uncomfortably just above his navel. He bristled at the touch, despite its necessity. It did not help to ease the knot of tension building in his gut in the slightest. And what the hell did I say about calling me Bakugo? My apologies, your majesty, Mina said, sinking into an exaggerated bow before straightening with a wink. Calm down, man, this is going to work, assured Kirishima, shooting him a toothy grin. Normally, he would have clapped his cane on the back to shake loose any nervous energy he might be harboring, but Mina had made it very clear that no other males were to breach the sanctity of her carefully drawn lines. Goddamn better, Kotsky muttered, wiping the palms of his hands on his trousers yet again. Can we get on with it? This is the third night I'll have sat in midnight vigil. I'm fucking exhausted. Tis, tis, you know there is an order to this. The first night symbolizes courting, the second night shows devotion, and the third night signifies desire, she recited as she brought her hands to his body again, this time to trace tattoos onto his arms with charcoal. Kotsky grumbled in response, nerves lancing through his gut again at the thought of what lay ahead of him. But he would never back down. He knew what he was getting into when Kirishima had brought the priestess to him and proposed they perform the summoning. Though he had initially scoffed at the old wives' tale, he decided that it was a risk and a trial he was willing to undergo. If the legends were true, the reward would be well worth it. He steeled himself for the night ahead as Mina murmured incantations under her breath.
Hours later, Kotsky sat in the middle of the forest clearing alone with his face in his palm, elbow prompt on his crossed legs, as he tried in vain not to nod off into the realm of sleep. He pulled the grass up at his knees to give his hand something to do to ward off the rest his eyes craved. Guess Pinky was wrong after all. A burst of heat blew at his back and he jerked to stand ramrod straight as he watched a beacon of light streak across the night sky. He knew he should look away from the comet burning ever brighter, but he had always been drawn to power and now was no exception. He made no move to shield himself from the blast as it beelined straight for the ruined circle. The impact shook the ground all around for a five-mile radius, the wind extinguishing the torches dotting the area. He stared, transfixed by the fruition of all the myths he'd heard throughout his life. Standing before him was a goddess. She radiated power, short umber locks floating around her in a shimmering, luminescent pink aura to frame a round face set with expressive hazel eyes. Her aura gradually faded, solidifying in a powdery gown that remained soundless as she seemed to drift over the ground toward him. Who are you that calls upon my blessing? she asked in a soft, lilting voice. He gulped. Bakugokatsuki, Beast King of the Dragon Clan, he answered, hoping that the title itself would distract from his almost whisper-like tone. Katsuki, she echoed, crooning. She was now circling him like a predator, inspecting its prey. He resisted the urge to pull his fur-lined cloak tighter to his body. And yours? he asked, a traitorous croak in his voice. She hummed thoughtfully. I'm sorry, Kotsky, but names have power and you already summoned me against my will, so I don't think I'll be sharing that information with you. She did not sound all that apologetic to him as she reached out to caress him, finger running down his spine and making him shiver involuntarily. Stop acting like a little bitch. This isn't your first time, he chided himself. She came around to grasp his jaw with sure fingers, moving his face to angle this way or that. She made a satisfied noise, as if she liked what her inspection of him had shown her. Well, what should I call you then? He asked, grinning his teeth to force his voice to steady. I've been called many things in my lifetime. It does not matter all that much to me, she confessed, floating up to wrap her arms around his neck. Angel, he breathed the word hitching in his throat as he stared into her eyes. The term suited her. Her mouth stretched into a smile at that, slinking her smooth arms around his neck. I think that will serve just fine, Kotsky, she replied, her hot breath fanning against the shell of his ear. Kotsky shivered involuntarily. Shall we consummate the ritual? He asked before he lost his nerve. The rosy goddess in front of him backed away with a raise of her brow. Consummate? she asked, voice soft and intimate. To seal the courtship, he supplied, averting his gaze. She hummed and nodded, watching him closely. Not knowing what else to do, he swept off his cloak and laid it on, out on the ground, then began unbuckling his pants. He felt her eyes on him, and when he turned back to her, she was lifting her hands to the straps of her gown and sliding them down her arms until the garment dropped to the forest floor. Katsuki watched the wisps gown slide soundlessly down the goddess's figure. 
Rather than stepping out of the pooled fabric, it dissipated once it fell from her completely. His eyes followed the lines of her every curve, transfixed. Ajako smiled softly to herself as she observed Bakugokatsuki, beast king of the dragon clan, go slack-jawed at the sight of her. She had to admit to herself that her mortal form was rather appealing. She'd certainly had summoners in the past attempt to push the boundaries of their bargain before in order to make use of it. She stepped toward him, relishing in the feel of the springy grass beneath her bare feet. She lifted a finger to his chin and pushed his mouth closed, tracing her thumb along his bottom lip. Such a fine specimen, she purred, running her hands over his bare shoulders and then increasing gravity to bring him to his knees. Built like an ox, a jaw that could cut glass, so much prettier than my past summoners, she murmured. She wondered idly why a man of his stature and position needed to call upon her in the first place, but thanked her lucky stars that he was not like the others before him. She wanted to play along with his game and taste this part of mortality. You performed the ritual, but now... She prompted Kotsky, threading her fingers through his ashen locks. Using her hold on him and his gravity-induced paralysis, she pressed his chest into her abdomen and tilted his face upward to look at her from between her bare breasts. She felt his Adam's apple bob against her as he gulped and replied, Now I must bind you to me. The task seemed so much more daunting when she was standing naked in front of him, radiating power that held him pinned under her gaze. His limbs felt heavy and hollow. He was torn between being painfully turned on and too intimidated to make a move. Perhaps the feelings were intertwined. The first night symbolizes courting. The second night shows devotion. And the third night signifies desire. Katsuki recited internally. Simple enough in theory, but in practice? He couldn't bring himself to touch her, even if he'd been able to. She was a literal goddess. Her skin glowed with a rosy hue for fuck's sake. But if he didn't man the fuck up and perform the right, she would escape his grasp and his kingdom would fall apart again. All his hard work rallying the factions would be for naught because he couldn't affirm his right to rule with the goddess's blessing. In what world could he deserve it, though? She was too radiant, a whole universe in her umber eyes. She didn't deserve to be bound to the likes of him, a reckless would-be barbarian king. He would lay himself at her feet for just one night, yet here he was about to ask a lifetime of her. Seeing the furrow in Kotsky's brow as he clearly fought with himself, Achako brushed hair from his forehead and softly asked, Is that what you want? She was not accustomed to being turned down, but so far this man was nothing like the others she'd been bound to. So handsome, yet so hesitant. And she was usually dimmer by the time she indulged this particular craving on earth. Ajaka was aware that her aura might have something to do with his hesitance. And still, from the evidence of the impressive bulge pressing into her thigh, she would have thought he would be more eager. She opened her mouth to tell him that the consummation was not necessary, that she was bound to him through the virtue of the summoning alone, but then he spoke. I want to make you mine. I will make myself worthy of her. Ajaka's fingers snaked out to fist in his hair again. Many have tried, sweet king. Kotsky grasped at her calves helplessly, unable to lift his arms any higher. Please, angel, let me try. 
he rumbled, practically nuzzling against her chest where she held him. Let me touch you. Let me taste you. Let me show you. His sultry pleas were punctuated by soft mouthing at her breasts. She used her hold in his hair to push his body down, his back curling to bring his mouth level with her core where she needed his attention most. What makes you think you will succeed? Never mind that he was already infinitely more interesting than any of her past encounters. Proving myself is what I do best, he growled. I hope you're right, she said, releasing him from the hold of her gravity. Without warning, his tongue immediately lashed out to sweep up her slit. Two fingers probed her entrance and slid deftly inside while he continued to lave attention on her clit. Achako's neck rolled to the side, eyes fluttering closed as she focused on the sensation of his fingers pumping rhythmically in and out of her. Her breath caught each time his tongue hit the bundle of nerves at her center. An errant thought that men had discovered much in the age that she had been absent passed through her mind as she reveled in the slowly mounting coil of pleasure in the pit of her stomach. Gotsky's other hand glided up her leg to cup her behind, trailing fire in his wake. Continuing to move his fingers inside of her, but replacing his tongue with his thumb, he brought his mouth to the inside of her thighs, sucking briefly. He moved on to her navel, teeth grazing her plump flesh. She was not some half-starved village girl like so many that had tried to catch his eye. Finally, stretching back up to full kneeling height, he took her breast into his mouth. Machaco, so accustomed to experiencing everything secondhand, was overwhelmed by his ministrations. The wave that began when he latched onto her nipple crested over her. It felt as though he was everywhere at once, which was strange, because at the same time she was not completely present in her manifested body. Kotsky looked up, pausing to watch her face as she rode her wave through, relishing in the fact that he'd managed to bring a goddess to pleasure. His cock throbbed insistently at the sight. When her fingers unclenched from his hair and began running softly through his hair, he smirked. Perhaps I underestimated your talents, she whispered, brushing the hair off of his forehead. Now show me what else you can do. The glazed look in her eyes shifted to a gleam of challenge, and his smirk grew into a feral grin. Whatever you say, angel, he growled, sinking back down to sit on his heels and pulling her by the hips into his lap for a moment. From there, Kotsky gently placed his hands between her shoulder blades and at the small of her back to lay her on his outstretched cloak. Pants already unbuckled, it was a simple task to free himself and line up the tip of his already weeping cock to her entrance. He glanced up one last time to lock heated gazes with her. Are you ready, angel? He asked, voice low and reverent. Achako nodded, her umber eyes darkening impossibly as she felt the long-forgotten stretch at her core. Her gaze fluttered up toward the star-speckled sky. She hoped her sisters were enjoying the show, since they all had all but pushed her into this Adonis's embrace. Her arms splayed out languidly beside the fan of her chestnut hair as she prepared to be filled where she had been empty for centuries. When nothing followed, she lifted her head to find his gaze again. She found him perched over her, beads of sweat trailing down his brow as he strained to keep from moving. Achako gave a soft smile. Silly mortal, restraining himself for my sake when I am the one who could break him so easily. I'm not fragile, she murmured, taking his sinewy forearms from beside her hips and placing them on her thighs. Enter, Kotsky, she commanded, umber eyes flashing.
As if he had been waiting for her permission, he pushed all the way in with an involuntary growl, bottoming out within her. He groaned long and loud, finally encased in her tight, wet warmth. Shit, he cursed, fingers curling to dig into the flesh of her thighs. Achako splayed a hand on his abdomen to halt his descent and wrapped her legs around his waist with her ankles, locked to hold him in place, wanting to savor this feeling. Human males couldn't be trusted not to lose themselves in the blink of an eye, and who knew the next time she would descend? The pleasures of this trip needed to last her until then. These humans were so fragile, after all, that this excursion could be over before she had the chance to taste him again. She looked up at him through lust-lidded eyes to see Kotsky beginning to shake with a suppressed need to create friction between them. Little did he know that he would never be able to break her hold on him if she didn't want him to. Angel, he moaned brokenly, his head falling back between his shoulder blades as an involuntary twitch where they were joined made him nearly lose control. Fuck, if he had known how good this would feel, Pinky wouldn't have had to practically drag him to the ritual circle. She was sucking him in like she had her own gravitational pull, and it was all he could do not to fall into her. So big, Ashako murmured with a swell of satisfaction. Perhaps that was another improvement of mankind's evolution. Vaguely, she heard Kotsky stuttering, Angel, please, fuck, can I... <clears throat> she ignored him, too busy performing an internal self-assessment. There was a delicious stretch where her manifested body accommodated his girth. Along with that sensation, there was a thrill deep in her gut at the feeling of fullness. Her whole body felt alive with anticipation. I'd forgotten how good mortal pleasures were, she said, giving an experimental roll of her hips. Kotsky choked on a groan as his hands spasmed on her thighs, his teeth gritted. Ah, angel, can I move now? His piercing stare met hers, and she saw that his pupils were blown wide with lust. Please. A shiver spread from the base of her neck and out across her entire body at his words. She felt so desired, so wanted, so worshipped. Her heart clenched. She moved her hand from his abdomen to comb through his spiky ashen hair fondly. He got her hand and pressed it to his face so that he could bite the ridge of her palm, then place a kiss on the mark. This man. He was holding back for her, and it looked like his restraint was costing him. Nachako almost wanted to see how long she could make him wait until he lost control. But no, she'd tease him another time. She was far too curious to see how it felt when he moved inside her, what he looked like as they worked together to find their release. Angel, angel, angel he chanted, brows furrowed as he nuzzled her hand. Move, sweet king, she whispered, unlocking her ankles behind him. Kotsky met her gaze and held it, pulling out to the tip and then thrusting for the first time. She inhaled sharply at the sensation of him dragging along her walls and then hitting a bundle of nerves deep inside her. Achako arched her back in response, clutching handfuls of his cloak and issuing a string of moans that grew louder and longer with every stroke Kotsky delved into her. Holy shit, came Kotsky's near incoherent thought as he plunged into her velvety heat again. He clamped his eyes shut, trying to desperately not to come undone this soon, but he was struggling to hold back when she felt this intoxicating and sounded so alluring. He knew that if he opened his eyes, the sight of her would send him over the edge. Kotsky felt her run a finger over his brow, and he unconsciously unfurrowed it, relaxing into her touch. So handsome, she murmured, 
trailing her fingertips down his temple and brushing her thumb along his jaw. So strong and patient, she purred, her lilting voice rising on the final syllable as he entered her again. Such a perfect lover. Her palms traveled down his shoulders, fingers flexing greedily along each new expanse of skin she explored. Wouldn't disappoint so early in the night. Her nails drug over his nipples and he groaned, stilling inside her to make sure he didn't prove her wrong. Don't you want to see what your efforts have wrought? She crooned. Kotsky gritted his teeth with a huff, eyes flashing open. He had been right. She made the most tantalizing picture underneath him. Skin practically glowing in the moonlight, a flush spread over her ample breasts. Strawberry lips parted as if in a soundless moan arms outstretched to grip him by the waist. He wanted to kiss her, but she wasn't his. Not yet. Not ever, really. Don't fret too much, lover. I am familiar with the limitations of the human body, she smirked with a roll of her hips that had his head spinning. Kotsky's nostrils flared as he uprooted handfuls of grass on either side of her head. He was more than human. He was the beast king of the dragon clan. He would show her what that meant. He locked eyes with her, crimson gaze burning into her as he rocked into her at an agonizingly slow pace. He would make her beg for him to stop. Hours later, Kotsky lay naked, spent, and panting across her chest as she carted through his hair. Well done, she whispered against his brow. My sweet king she added with a press of her lips to his forehead. He wrapped his arm around her waist and under her back, clutching her close and relishing in his success even though it was very clearly she was the victor between the two. He had been conquered by her body, by her voice, by her patience, by her gleaming, ageless eyes. Despite his vow to make her his, the reverse had proven true. He was hers. Even with the early morning light filtering through the trees, he saw stars. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this reading, please use the AO3 link in the description to give the author a well-deserved kudos and comment. Also, don't hesitate to message us on Twitter with your requests for fix to be read.